My guest today is a verified Spider-Man expert who owns every issue of Amazing Spider-Man ever released, including the annuals. Along with his co-host, the mischievous Mark Ginocchio, they discuss the past, present, and future of everyone's favorite wall crawler on their podcast, The Amazing Spider Talk, which has one of the greatest podcast artworks I've ever seen. My friends, please give a warm welcome to the most dapper Dan in all the land, Mr. Dan Gavazdin. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm great. I, and with an introduction like that, how could I not be? <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, I have been following your work, and uh, I got to say kudos to you every time I see you. Actually, it was uh, Dave Chin, who I very first saw you collaborating with, and I said, oh, who's this guy? And he's got a Spider-Man <laughs> podcast. Okay. Um, so kudos to you for um, putting in the work and doing a fantastic job on all of your internet outputs. Thank you. That's really kind of you. You've been, yes. you've been, you, you got in through David Chen. Very fascinating. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I guess that makes sense given the pull that, that, that man has, uh, but yeah, very exciting. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I wanted to get into your comic book origin story, kind of what hooked you, what kind of got you into comics. Sometimes people, it's a television show. Sometimes it's a movie. Sometimes it's the actual comics. So sure. for Dan Gvazin, what got you into comics? Yeah, I mean, I wish it was um, like a really like sexy story, like a spider biting you on the hand or something <laughs> like that. You know, like uh, I'm I'm sure, like you know, I, there are moments where I can pinpoint, like, okay, this was a big moment for me. You know, um, and, uh, I, most of it, I'm sure, was just cultural osmosis. You know, uh, I, you know, comics wasn't even like the first introduction for me. I'm sure it had a lot to do with the Spider Man. 90s show and the batman mm. animated show mm. um you know i don't remember my parents necessarily turning me on to this like i like i remember sitting down and watching the first episode of the batman animated show when it debuted prime time mm. and it being like a big event and really loving it and being chilled by it like the mm. on on leather wings oh yeah uh, yes, you know yes. episode and like, I can't tell you that that was my first experience with, like, superheroes or anything like that. Because, um, like, looking back on it, I don't – it didn't seem like a foreign concept to me. Hmm. So, like, you know, it must have been some cultural osmosis but before that. And then, ultimately, obviously, the Spider-Man 90s show was a really big deal for kids in, in the 90s. Um, hmm. You know, I was very much a kid of the 90s. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think I got into the idea of collectibles through the kind of early, uh, Marvel trading cards, Ooh, um, yes. you know, Fleer ultra mm. and, you know, Marvel masterworks. Yeah. All that oh, stuff. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. I, somewhere in my dusty attic there, <laughs> there is, um, those, those, uh, full collections still exist. And oh, I think man. I was holding on to them because they might be worth something someday. And now I see them on like eBay for like 50 bucks for the whole collection. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, got to yeah. put that dream aside. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think, you know, for a long time, it was the collectible idea of cards because I had a very small allowance and, you know, you could buy a pack of cards for whatever and they were tradable right. and things like that. But my, my good friend growing up, a kid named Roger, his older brothers had these, um, you know, they have long boxes of, comics in their basement and you know whenever they were gone we would kind of leaf through them 
and you know the the they were really into the x-men of the 90s jim lee you know stuff like that mm-hmm. and the artwork on the covers was so cool and and exciting and i was learning about the characters and the cards and seeing these covers and i never really got a chance to read the comics i would you know kind of like absorb it through but somehow spider-man stood out to me from amongst mm-hmm. that bunch probably from the animated show um there was some i mean i was a dork you know? <laughs> uh, uh you know no surprise and 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 you know there's, there's always been that quarter kind of like outsider thing about the character but mm-hmm. what solidified yeah. me as a comic person was my father who's a pediatric doctor um, would do hospital rounds, you know, checking on newborns and things like that. And, you know, so he would take me with him and he needed something to entertain me in the lobby while he went and checked in on the babies. So um, I grew up in Maryland and um, there's a city in Maryland called Glen Burnie. And in Glen Burnie, there was a comic shop called Twilight Zone Comics. Ooh. It's still there today. Nice. Uh, it's spelled incorrectly, but, you know, <laughs> They didn't want to infringe on the trademark. And uh, so my father would take me across the street from the hospital to Twilight Zone Comics. And he told me one day I could pick out a comic that I wanted. And there was Amazing Spider-Man 375, which is like him and Venom fighting on the cover with like the gold foil. Uh, It turned out to be kind of like the last Venom as a pure villain issue Mm -hmm. for I guess a really long time, but they haven't really quite brought him back in the same way ever again, ever since right. that issue. Um, but it was, there was no way to ignore it with that cover, Mark Bagley's artwork mm. and bright colors, gold foil, whatever, nineties gimmicks. I was a sucker. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that was the one I picked out and, uh, you know, it was my first comic and I, you know, read it to a pulp. I think I've bought that comic like 10 times now just because I nice. I yes. love it. I still think the Mark Bagley artwork inside of it is like the best depiction of Venom in, mm. any, in any comic. I know Todd McFarlane lovers are going to come <laughs> at me about this, but um, that particular issue is a, a stunner in the way that it shows the tendrils snaking over Venom. And, yeah. so, uh, and even Spider-Man with his beat-up costume and, and the mechanics of him hiding his thing and it's a weird first issue like his parents are like alive uh <laughs> and uh you know and they're kidnapped by venom and like wild pack is in it and silver sable it's just a lot of weird spider-man elements but there was just something about it that like hooked me and it also had the backup with the origin story and uh cardiac's first appearance and so there was just a lot of flash there that like made me go i gotta keep coming back for this and um so yeah, that was kind of my like real kind of origin story. I would then, you know, Stranger Things style or l- Latchkey Kid style, <laughs> my parents would like kick me out of the house during the day and we had this stream, you know, in the back in the woods, which was, mm-hmm. we, we called uh, like a river, you know, mm-hmm. in, our, in our imaginations. <laughs> but it was really just like a sewage runoff, I'm sure. <laughs> so may- maybe that was my actual origin story. We'll, we'll see. Maybe origin story of cancer. But uh, uh, we used to go down there and play. And then we found out that, like, if you kept going, it would connect to the highway. So my friends and I used to tell my parents, we're going to play at the stream. And then we would take the stream to the highway and then go to the comic book store and just loiter there for a while. 
and I would like drool over the maximum carnage covers and mm-hmm. things like that. So I think that really kind of like sold me on the long box digging mentality and the idea of like the things on the shelf that you look up at and, and dream of owning someday. And, you know, uh, I don't think I really, like really took the collecting mentality super seriously other than like it was something cool to do um, until like maybe my 20s when I really jumped on the gotta have them all mm-hmm. thing. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I got into comics. Um, I feel like I've been monologuing here. Oh, I, no. I would ask I would ask you how you got into comics, but I'm sure you've discussed that on the show many times. Uh, yeah. And so I'll have to find that episode. <laughs> well, it's actually interesting because with Spider-Man, it's, it's very similar to like Star Wars, something that has been going on for generations. And we can just by the what you described, the 90s Spider-Man, I can pinpoint like, oh, OK, I can I can tell his age. I can tell when he got in versus, let's say, with the Spider-Man and his amazing friends cartoon Sure. Uh, which I I remember watching it, but not like on a regular basis like the '90s one. But I remember seeing it in reruns and Spider-Man on the Electric Company in live action, and then um, just kind of bits and pieces. I actually think I have a very similar um, origin to you. And Spider-Man has been a character. Actually, I haven't talked about Spider-Man in particular on sure, the show. Go for it. I'd but, love to hear it. Yeah, this is the perfect uh, guest to have. He was a character that was always around and my dad introduced me to comics he put superman batman in front of me and then i gravitated towards spider-man and i i couldn't figure it out for the longest time and then i thought about it later on just reflecting i think i thought he was the funniest superhero and that's mm. what stuck with me i was like this guy's funny like he's making me laugh as a kid and i think kind of what deadpool maybe provided to later generations that's what Spider-Man Peter Parker provided to me growing up. I was like, this is the funniest guy. And then I get on top of his relatability and then different things like that. Cool powers, you know, all those things that make up Peter Parker. But it was really the humor at first. And I, I can't even tell you which writer it was that was, it definitely wasn't Stan Lee, but um, just the humor of the characters, what, what stuck with me. So that was always fascinating to me. And then there was, like you said, the maximum carnage and different crossovers, video games were coming out at that time. Yeah. And all of those things just kind of uh, cemented for me as, okay, this is going to be my favorite character. And then I actually got out a little bit because it was, Oh, now I'm interested in girls. Now I'm interested in, (laughs) in sports. And I came back to it. What brought me back actually was two things Peter, um, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, and then Ultimate Spider-Man. Those two sure. things kind of hooked me back in, and I was like, okay, now I'm back for life. But I've always been just kind of anchored to Spider-Man. And so every other character was always, oh, Daredevil? Well, that's Spider-Man's friend. Okay, Kingpin? Oh, that's Spider-Man villain. I always just related everybody through Spider-Man, and that was always – Every character, every single character in in the Marvel Universe, it was, oh, how are they related to Spider-Man? So I think you and I maybe had a a similar um, outlook or the the way that we looked at comics was was similar. But Uh, everything you're saying is something that I like relate to deeply. And um, 
Yeah, I I don't know if the humor of Spider-Man was something that connected with me straight away. Um, I had an early a best of Spider-Man like Ooh. trade paperback <laughs> that collected stories, and I can't say that any he was like very funny in any of the stories <laughs> in that. You know, it was like kid who collects Spider-Man, which is uniquely oh, yes. not funny. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like there's like Amazing <laughs> Fantasy 15 and um you know, Amazing Spider-Man 33. Mm. And I think the thing that really sold me on the character was the underdog oh, um, yes. nature yeah. of him. The, like, everything is stacked against you and you got to just keep getting back up again kind of thing. Mm. Um, yes. It also included Amazing Spider-Man 50 with him, like, quitting. Yes. Um, and I think it's funny. I, I To this day, I think the humor is, like, a plus sometimes. But it's not something that I like really look forward to in my Spider-Man comics more mm-hmm. than I do like watching Peter get torn to pieces. Right. Um, which is like a really masochistic way way to connect. Yeah. Um, but then you're right. Like uh, so I got out of collecting comics around the same time it sounds like you did as a kid. You know, everything's a passing fad, but um and, and a passing interest when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, for me it was more practical, even it was my allowance didn't allow me to keep up with the clone saga, you know, <laughs> ah, yes, like, because yes. it was like, mm-hmm. it went from one issue a month or whatever to, you know, if you discount spectacular. Um, and, and as a kid, I couldn't figure out what series was the one I was supposed to be buying, you know, mm. like Spider-Man seemed like the better series than amazing Spider-Man. Um, just because it was mm. a more proper noun. Yeah. Um, right. but uh, like once the clone saga kept up, it was like the stories made less and less sense to me. Uh, um, I mean, like three seventy five is a weird story to come in on. It yeah. should have made no sense to me, but the <laughs> themes seemed very clear. But then in clone saga, the themes aren't particularly clear. And I think for me as a kid, it was like I can't afford this and I can't understand it, so I'm bouncing. But yes, it was my father who saw. I think in Time Magazine they had a special on the new ultimate Spider-Man comic that was coming out with that like weird semi real cover. Yeah. What right. I, like that first issue is a very strange cover. Yeah. Um, I don't even know who the, who's the artist on that. Yeah. It's Bagley, but oh. like they like, they like dressed it up in like weird CGI. Stuff. Oh yeah. That, um, yeah. It doesn't look like Bagley's art it doesn't, at all. You wouldn't be able to identify yeah. it at all, but it is, it is him. Um, I would love to see the original pencils for Hmm. whatever that cover might have been. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think when, when, when it came out, he took me to, uh, like Toys R Us where they had like, uh, like a particular Toys R Us variant of of the first issue. And it really hooked me. I read that thing front to back and it's, it's a Spider-Man list issue. Like it is, you know, very, very, um, you know, but like the Peter Parker high school status, I think it was like a freshman in, in college, what, or high school. So uh, 99 when that book came out. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, Yes. So yeah, I would have been like a freshman in in high school and uh, yeah, that got me back. Yeah. Just like you're saying. And I think he bought me the first trade and i was i i would i took it with me everywhere and and the first like eight trades i think i kept all through high school in my backpack so that anytime i was done my work <laughs> i could read them again mm. because they were i don't think i've ever read com- a comic more maybe amazing fantasy 15 but i don't think i've read a comic more than i read those ultimate spider-man trades that, they're like the only trades i still have and they're beat to hell but <laughs> I, but but i wouldn't trade them for 
for anything in the world. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah. Then we had JMS writing Amazing Spider-Man, and that got me back into the world of Amazing Spider-Man and collecting. And I started off saying, like, okay, I have these some of these old comics still that my mother didn't throw out, but I wanted to buy every JMS issue to get caught up, just because and because I loved it. And then once I had all those, I was like, well, I can't stop here. And then it slowly expanded and until I got every single issue of Amazing Spider-Man. So, um, you know, addictions, where, they, they start hard. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. So where do you keep your collection of Amazing? Uh, is it all long boxes? Is it uh, – do you have a, a safe? How, how are you keeping these? Uh, sure. Um, well, it's it's a mix of things. So, like, it's actually – it's expanded well beyond that. Now I'm like, I'm going to get every issue of every Spider-Man now. Which, you know, I told myself I'm going to stop at amazing and for a long time I did, but you know, um, addictions, like I said, they, they die hard, uh, or they don't die at all. Um, and this one didn't die. So, uh, it has expanded well beyond that, but I'm still pretty strict on like, I don't buy Avengers and Marvel unlimited has made that very easy for me to just go. I just buy Spider-Man mm. and my podcast makes it like almost necessary for me yeah. to read everything so like right. it's like okay like this is fueling this monster you know yes. i don't know which which it's like aerobaros the snake eating its own tail yeah. right like right. is the podcast fueling the collection or is the collection <laughs> fueling the whatever whatever yeah. excuse yeah. i have to tell myself you know <laughs> um but uh yeah i have i have um like the first like 50 issues of the comic or like anyone that i think is like really valuable i have a safety deposit box that they're in, you know, like when you spend over $2,000 on a comic, you're like, you know, and that's back in the day. Like mm, my yeah. amazing Spider-Man number one, I think is now worth like 16 grand Ooh. and I bought it for like $2,000. So, Dang. um, yeah, no, these things appreciate Spider-Man yeah. is the market to be in. Yeah. I, I do not like, I have a lot of listeners on my show that are like, I want to do what you did and collect, <laughs> you know, Spider-Man comics. Yeah. And I'm like, you have to understand I finished that collection a decade ago. Like it's not the same deal now. Right. Like yeah. it, these comics are way more expensive. So maybe your wallet is more liquid than mine, but I could not do what I did now. Like yeah. I, there's no way I could justify spending the prices that I did back in the day. So yes, it's a lot of it's in safety deposit box. A lot of it is in a storage uh, unit that I bought that, you know, obviously contains some things for my home, but mm -hmm. also has my comics in it. And I have anxiety attacks every time it rains, um, oh, yeah. you know, but I have a tarp over them and nice. um, I'll go in there every once in a while to pull books out for research and things like that. Um, but my goal is like, you know, I live in LA, so small apartments, there's not a lot of space for that stuff. My, I would love to buy a home and like have an, an easily accessible way to, <laughs> look at my books and use them for research, you know, and that's kind of the ultimate dream is like, I yeah. can have a library of the books that I need to talk about and do research uh, with. Um, but it's just not right now. Yeah. I, I'm sure you'll get there. That would be um, uh, a very, that, that would be an interesting uh, YouTube video once you have that set up. Um, but yeah, that's, I'm, there's so much that, you said that makes me kind of nostalgic for those days, like Toys R Us and uh, different things like that, th that they just don't have 
today. Oh, totally. I mean, like people people forget, right? You look at that like X Men one that sold whatever oh. like four mil- four million copies, but like that like was e- even just a part of our life. Like the Book It program at Pizza oh, Hut, yeah. you know, right, 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 like, right. Yes, you know, yes. like the the Pizza Hut's mugs had Jim Lee's artwork on it. Like, you, would, <laughs> you would never see that today, you know. Right. Um, yeah, and like Man. it was just a part of your life. Com mm-hmm. the idea of comics. Um, uh. It's it's a different paradigm now, yeah. Yeah, we were in a sweet spot. I think, like like you, um, actually, were we talking about that before the before we started rolling the um the the cards, or did we talk about that on the? Podcast? No, we talked about it on the okay. podcast. Yeah, yeah, the Marvel cards, collecting those. Like, I have a specific memory of that with my friends, and specifically that artwork. And I was thinking, oh yeah, this is going to go on forever. And it was really just that small piece of my I know, life, right? Was yeah, specifically with those Marvel cards. Um, but yeah, it's there's also those touchstones like the X Men animated series that I talked to people, and they were like, almost all of the comic book people that I speak to, that's one of those things. It's just like, okay, that was something from my childhood that I was into, and it was a part of my daily afternoon, things like that. Like you said, Batman the animated series. And... I almost refuse to read X-Men now because it's not mm. that cartoon series. I'm like, yeah, that's such a simple, digestible thing. And now X-Men is anything but that, you know, I'm reading it. But like, I'm always longing for like, what if it was just like a team of six people and that was it? You know? Yeah, uh, I've, I've been trying to get back into X-Men for probably 20 years. And I'm the only I'm the same I've... way. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the only time I'm able to really feel like I'm I'm in it is when there's a, a big creator, like when Joss Whedon comes in or when Grant Morrison comes in. I'm like, okay, now I'm reading X-Men. And then as soon as they leave, I'm like, all right, I'm confused again. Um, same thing <laughs> yeah. with this Krakoa era that's going on right now. But, um, I, yeah, it's like I said, it's just a lot of um, shared memories. And, and even with Bagley's art, the way that you were describing, that was my – it was crazy that he was – on two separate runs that were so influential to me, the yeah. amazing run and the ultimate run where it was like, Oh, that's Spider-Man. It was kind of like when, uh, when I was growing up, Superman, John Byrne, it was that art. That was it for me. I, I, it was on all the marketing. It was like, that is the art. That's how he looks. Same way with, with Bagley Spider-Man. Oh um, yeah. The way that, I don't know how he did it, but like the way that his, his nose and his mouth, like when you turn to the side, that yes. silhouette, it's like almost of anime, yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah, like a, yeah. But that was that was Spider Man to me. So I, I just have that that core memory of Bagley's art is Spider Man to me. So very very similar. Um, now speaking of Spider Man, and like you said, you wanted the the podcast to feed the collection or the collection to feed the, feed the podcast. I want to get your origin story on. Amazing Spider Talk, because that is the preeminent Spider-Man podcast in all the land. Like I said, the best podcast artwork on any podcast I've ever seen. So how did you get into that? That's so curious you say that, because like I'm always thinking it's too simple and then I need to change it. Um, but I can't possibly change it because it's Ron Friends and Sal Buscema, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. who did artwork specifically for me. Um, so like, I, there's no way I'm ever going to replace it, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm like, should I dress it up a little bit more? Like, it's really just like Spider-Man. I mean, it's, it's 
blunt. It's like, this is a Spider-Man podcast. That's like about all it says, you know, um, like there's no me, there's no Mark, you know, like, but I guess that's it. Like, I mean, you like it. So, I mean, that's about as a ringing endorsement as I could, I could get. What if Mark Bagley did art? Would you have, would you change it? If Mark Bagley did a specific amazing spider talk portrait, like, would you, would you, would you, would you do both like switch them off and on or? Yeah, I don't know. That's a really great question. (laughs) That's a great question. I mean, there is some kismet. So like, you know, first of all, Ron friends is my favorite creator period. You know, Um, not only is he an amazing artist that I think is under uh, appreciated. Oh yeah. um, But he's also the nicest guy. And that goes a long way for me. Yes. Um, That piece Ron did for free for, for me. And then out of an extreme act of kindness was like, would you be interested in Sal inking this? And I was like, well, why, who in the hell would say no? <laughs> and, and he was like, well, that's the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> and so he sent it off to Sal and Sal did inks on it for free oh, and sent it back man. to us. So like, you know, it, it hangs on my wall, like right mm. by my computer. And it's, you know, I have more like expensive, crazy pieces of art from artists, but like, it's really special to me. Oh, that, yeah. Like, it was a yeah act of kindness. Yes. Not to say that Mark Bagley isn't capable of that yeah. kindness, but I, <laughs> but like Ron has become a true friend of oh, our nice. show. Nice. And so like, even if Mark or like, let's say like Todd McFarlane yeah. draws his first Spider-Man in, you know, however many years or st- the reanimated corpse of Steve Ditko crawls out <laughs> of his grave and draws something for me. <laughs> I don't know that I can replace it. Like, like that's the icon of the show because yeah. it, like the show is about, my, at least my hope is the show is about kindness and mm. uh, you know, and, and, and that is probably the best symbol of it. So I appreciate that you like it uh, even just like beyond that sentimental meaning that it has for me. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, I don't, the... did I answer your question? I don't know if I took you in a weird direction here. No, that was uh great with the art, but actually I wanted to know how you, how did the podcast start? Sure. How did you get into, uh, how did you get into podcasting in general? Well, I had actually kind of um, pod, been podcasting a lot before I started Amazing Spider Talk, which actually was called Superior Spider Talk when wow. it started. Um, but uh, I, you know, I graduated from college in 2008. Um, I went to uh, Tisch for film and, and television. Uh, if people don't know, that's NYU's program. And um, I was living in New York at the time and podcasting had like kind of just started Mm. in like, it was like 2007. Right. And um, that's about when um, David Chen started uh, the slash film cast. Ah, yes. Then the slash film cast. Right. And even before that, it was, went by a different name. The Watchers. Watchers. Yeah. And um, I had a friend, we were out like having drinks and he was like, you really should check out this thing called the Watchers. I think you would really like it. And I was like, well, what is it? He's like, it's a podcast. I'm like, well, what's that? You know? And, <laughs> and he interested me. I said, okay. Like I walk around New York a lot. I could use something to listen to. And this is back when like you had an iPod, you know, oh, back when podcasts meant something because it was on an iPod. <laughs> um, but you had to uh, sync it up. Mm-hmm. I've always been into radio. Like that's been a, like something I've always really loved. And, um, so I was like, let me check this out. And, you know, at the time I fancied myself like a filmmaker and 
so I, you know, you, you download the podcast and you have to sync it with your iPod. There's a whole thing that we, people couldn't possibly like want to do now. Yeah. And um, I think I even had like a Zoom at the time. Yeah. Oh, who, yes. who knows? Yeah. You know, so it's like a big MP3. I had yeah. to dig through my archives to find, you know, and uh, I listened to it and, it, you know, uh, I'm not, I mean, if you haven't listened to the Slash Filmcast or any of Dave Chen's um stuff he's a really good podcaster and a really good host of those programs and um i just enjoyed that it seemed to be like three intelligent people um talking about movies in a kind of unpretentious way mm. and i was always kind of like the cinema geek uh of, of my friends like even amongst nyu people i was the cinema geek oh nice uh, like nice. you know i was the guy that was at kim's video in st mark's place you know uh just like digging through you know old videos when matt singer worked there i don't know if oh, you wow. stuff yes yeah. I, I didn't know matt at the time but i was definitely like checking out stuff from him oh wow um so he's a film critic uh at screen crush yes. uh right now um but anyway so like i was like kind of in entrenched in that community without knowing i was and um i don't know there was just something appealing about that and it unlocked in me this idea of like criticism i was always a terrible writer um but i, I this kind of like in, like engaged like a uh, an e, siskel and ebert part of my brain mm, like i yeah i didn't realize how much i like needed that and uh uh and that like talking could like which i always consider myself something i was good at could be valued in, in or, or recorded or you know accessible in some mm. way um so you know i i graduated in 2008 right when the markets collapsed oh, and right. yeah. there were no yeah. jobs to be had and i moved back home to maryland in with my parents and i was like looking for work and i couldn't make movies because i couldn't afford to mm. um so I thought, well, I could just podcast and and try my hand at criticism. And um, within a couple months, I like really worked hard at cultivating a voice in writing, something I was never good at. Um, but um, channeling it through movie criticism was something I could do. And I got picked up by a newspaper. A year later, I got my own TV show. Oh, wow. Um, like it just kind of sparked and blew up out of nowhere, all inspired by – listening to the slash film cast and just kind of being awakened to that world. Wow. Um, and so I started doing film podcasting uh, with my friend, Brian Rowan, um, who hosts the, uh, the film stage podcast. Oh, um, and uh, that was kind of my introduction to podcasting. And I've had a half dozen unsuccessful or, or pro <laughs> podcast projects that I didn't feel like uh, continuing on with. Um, you know, I did something with Adam Conover, weirdly enough, from um, Adam Ruins Everything. Oh, um, yeah, it's kind of been like all over the place, and uh, I kind of like fell out of those projects because they weren't taking off in the way that I wanted them to, and they seemed to be more work than they were worth. Um, and I started reading my co-host uh, Mark's uh, uh, Janakio's blog. He did this blog called uh, Chasing Amazing where he was documenting, um, you know, back in the era of blogging, 
um, <laughs> uh, documenting his like hunt to get every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, not including the annuals, which he didn't <laughs> specify at the time. But now I need to be very clear about it because I think annuals are part of the collection. Yes. Um, glad you agree. Yes. But uh, uh, it's a point of contention on the show. Um, but uh, he... Um, you know, he was doing this blog and it was really sentimental and not like it was geeky, but not in the way like that. I was like used to reading about this stuff online. Mm -hmm. It was like, these are my New York memories surrounding the the various eras of the book's releases. And I was really connected with it. A lot of people did at the time. It was a fairly popular blog. Um, uh, I don't know if you've read the blog or, or anything. Um, you know, kind of out of fashion to read blogs these days. <laughs> I um, actually hadn't heard of it until um, I was doing research for this episode. Um, that's when I was like, oh, wow, um, there's this whole world that I was not aware of. Yeah. I mean, this is like in the era of Spider-Man blogs. Like, I, I don't really know that many of them still exist, including mine. Like, uh, you know, so um, I started commenting on the blog mostly in an unserious way. Like cause he would always <laughs> do these like uh, – Hey, what should I talk about next? And I would just go in there and just say Stegron, just talk about Stegron. <laughs> um, and eventually like, you know, like Stegron, the dinosaur man, like we got to talk about this guy, you know, um, like my favorite issue is like the lizard versus Stegron, the dinosaur man, you know? And I think he just kind of thought it was funny and then annoying. Uh, <laughs> and like, you know, whatever. I, I, I also probably write some nice <laughs> things on there too, but um <laughs> Uh, I just really enjoyed his voice and thought, you know, okay, like this guy is interesting. Um, and so I reached out to him and was like, Hey, I do all these podcasts and, uh, I, you know, I really would like to talk about Spider-Man. Would you be interested? Um, and he said, no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fair enough. Like he's doing his own thing. You know, I think he had a, like a, like a newborn kid at the time or a very uh -huh. young child. Um, I mean, I know he did, but, uh, you know, that might've factored into it, but the other thing that was really kind of pushing me this way was like, um, early Sp like Spider-Man blogs around that time. And still to this day, although it's now morphed over to Twitter, were incredibly toxic. Mm. Um, you know, a, a lingering effect of, uh, what is, uh, one, you know, one more day, which I believe is what, like 15 years old, uh, Man. at this point. Um, yeah. I think like as of the other day. Um, so, uh, I just didn't like the thing, the fandom of the thing I was really enjoying being so toxic mm. and misogynistic and just gross. And I was just like, I know that there are more people out there like me that are engaging with this thing. Like, honestly, where like a bad comic doesn't ruin their week. Um, like, and where like, they're not like, you know, pinning all their hopes on Peter and MJ. Like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that change either, but it was like, I was willing to move on and a good right. Spider-Man story is a good Spider-Man story. Right. You know? Um, and at the time the creators were also kind of getting into it too. Like, I don't know if you were a part of this, but Steve Wacker and Dan Slott would go into like forums and like get into fights with fans. Oh, wow. And it was just and like all the ads for the comics were kind of like baiting. Like, I don't know if you remember in the superior Spider-Man area or the era, they would do solicits that were like, if you're not like, if you weren't pissed off about the last one, <laughs> this one's really going to make you. Angry. Oh man. And it just seemed kind of like 
playing the villain so that they could pretend to be victims. Yeah. And I just didn't like it. I didn't like any of it. And I thought, okay, like if we can create a place with real nuanced criticism that doesn't bash creators and is like welcoming to a community of all the shapes and sizes, um, if we can do that, they can and we don't react in the way that they think we're going to react, you know, because it's been char- characterized that way by the internet, then we can bring real nuanced criticism and love of this character to them. And they can't ignore it. Like, like it, the only way to take back the narrative is to just be rational, reasonable people that like wear their fandom, um, you know, on, on their shirt, but like, don't, let it drive every part of their lives. You right. know, like, yeah, like I do a Spider-Man podcast every week and I'm not as upset about half the people uh, on Twitter <laughs> are about this stuff. Like, and I would say it's because I have like perspective, mm. but clearly I don't because I'm talking about <laughs> Spider-Man every week, which is an insane thing to do. Um, you know, but like I, I consider it and you know, people might be saying like, Dan, we didn't ask you to give us a gift, but like my hope is that like, I've, I'm slowly creating a community, um, you know, that can kind of prove against the mold, Mm -hmm. you know, and and counter, I mean, Spider-Man Twitter is like the most toxic place on earth. Like don't wade into that. And I do every now and again, and I regret it, (laughs) um, you know, for saying things like, Hey, maybe before criticizing a comic, you should read it. You know, like (laughs) like apparently that is like beyond the pale, you know? Um, yeah. So, so anyway, um, I, I kept like, you know, I was like, okay, like what, maybe I can convince this guy. So I kept recording podcasts. That's what I was doing. And I would send them to him everyone. Like, Hey, listen to this, see if there's something you might want to do. And, um, superior Spider-Man was kind of the like perfect place, which was like, um, the book kicked off and people were furious. Like <laughs> they were attacking, like giving like, you know, death threats to Dan Slott online. And I just thought this book is too good for that. Like this is really like exciting, fun stuff. Like I don't know if you were reading then. Yeah, but I was loving. Absolutely. Spider-Man. So yes. like Amazing Spider-Man 700 came out December 26th, the day after Christmas. They killed Peter Parker, <laughs> and I have never been more excited to read a comic in my adult life. Like I needed to get there that day, the minute the store opened, uh, which I was thankfully on winter break. Like I could get there and read it because like that tome, like I needed to know how, like the, the stakes were so high. I needed to know what was happening. And of course he was going to lose because they were already announced they were relaunching the book. But like, that was such a thrilling roller coaster ride to then see people on the internet, just like hating it and tearing it apart. And I'm like, it's the same thing. And I always return back to the like Hydra cap reveal, which is oh, like, yeah. People yep. got so angry about that. And I'm like, man, I've got a bridge to sell you because like, <laughs> have you never read the start of a story where like things look really bad and a, the hero's got to fight his way back up? Like right. that's the core theme of Spider-Man. Like for yeah. me, you know, it's like he's buried by rubble and he's going to have to get out of it, you know? So I was like, this is insane. And I reached out to Mark and I was like, Okay, let's just record one episode talking about this, <laughs> giving praise to this book. And it's like I look back on it and I was like, why did we start there? We started with like Superior Spider-Man issue seven, you know, because that was the newest one. Hmm. And I was like, let's just do it, Mark. Like, if you hate it, we never have to do it again. We never have to release it. 
Like if we have no chemistry, like forget about it. And he's like, okay, fine. Like I'll, I'll do it. Stop bothering me. You know? So we did an episode and I thought it went really well and we released it and overnight it had like 600 downloads. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, Hey, like, you know, that's not nothing, you know, like that, that's something we can build on. And of course it was built off of like Mark's blogs and people mm -hmm. who read that, but also like there was a hunger for people who were, it was exactly what I had been saying was, oh, not everybody is absolutely insane. Like people can read <laughs> these comics and maybe have like real criticisms of them. Like there are things I would be critical of, like issue two with all the Mary Jane rapey gross stuff is really an icky place to start a run of comics, you know, like I, I don't need to see Dr. Octopus reliving memories and touching himself. You know, that's weird. That is deeply weird. I don't yeah. need it in a comic. Right. Yeah. But there was so much other good stuff to really like, you know, get into like the people wanted to hear people talk about without, you know, losing their minds that like, I think that's where our initial group of fans jumped on. And over the next like, you know, year we got on, you know, all these major creators, Mark Bagley, Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, Jane DeMatteis, you know, like editors and stuff. And it was like, okay. And Mark and I were becoming really good friends. We met up in person at, um, uh, you know, Kinetic, Kineticon, which doesn't exist anymore. It's now Terrificon. Um, and uh, we were like, we had something going and our numbers just kept going up and up and up and up. And I thought to myself, like, okay, you know, and Mark said to me, look, if I'm doing this in five years, something has gone horribly wrong, <laughs> which is a, which is a quote I like repeat to him like every week we, we sign on. Um, Cause now like in, in a month or so, we're going to be at 10 years. So, um, which is also like something most podcasts never even get really oh, yeah. close to, right. to seeing. So, yes. um, you know, at one point we were the new guys in the room. There was another really like popular Spider-Man podcast that still exists and is still going on today. That um, is part of the reason I created my show because I thought it was so toxic. Um, you know, and we get a lot of people that are like, "Oh, I found you guys after this other podcast because I needed something that wasn't so toxic." Mm. And mm. Um, whether we like or dislike a comic, we always try to be respectful, and sometimes that really is really trying. You know, like something, something is really a, a turd and it's, it's hard, you know, to not just say that. Right. And we're not shills. We're honest about our, our opinions, you know? Um, and over time, like, uh, it's more, it's more really a reason just to hop on a microphone and talk to my friend, Mark. Yes. You know, yep. we just so happened to talk about Spider-Man. Right. So anyway, that was our, my long winded podcast, uh, origin story. I hope it was entertaining. Yeah, that's excellent. And it's very inspiring to me as somebody who is putting out stuff and, and creating content. And I hadn't experienced a lot of that toxicity until my YouTube channel. And just, it's like in, I started in 2022 and then now coming into 2023, the comments on the YouTube videos are insane to me that people are just like, openly racist and it's like yeah. what is going on and why i guess just the anonymity of just not you know having to show themselves but it's just crazy to me that there's this toxicity of i don't like this 
because that character is a different race than the one I grew up with, or I don't like it when they change, you know, the gender or whatever it is. And it's like, but what does that have to do with the story content? Or what does that have to do with the actual character itself? And I've just been kind of, I think I I had been lucky up to that point that I hadn't been in a lot of those circles, but right. I'm, I'm glad that you are putting out positivity and, um, even when you don't like, let's say, dark web or something that is <laughs> uh, not gelling with you, you know, I I do appreciate the way that you structure your uh, reviews and your um, content. So, a hundred percent kudos to you on that. I, I do want to say, like, one of the other things that kind of co, is, co corresponded with our launch was like the Marvel Now initiative. Oh which, yes, you know, like replaced all of the major figures with like, you know, uh, divert, like, you know, divert a diverse cast of people. And like, yes. maybe Marvel bit off more than they could chew, you know, in order to like, you know, maybe they should have done that, like more piecemeal rather than like, mm, inter like the completely shocking yeah. system. Uh, right. I didn't mind. I thought there were some really great comics there. Like some of my favorite runs, you know, launched out of that. But, um, you know, th that also corresponded with, like, uh, these talks, you know, uh, of, like, you know, what would it mean to do, like, a black Peter Parker in the movies when they were talking about recasting and things like that. And, you know, uh, there was a lot of that in the Spider-Man world that was really gross, I I thought. And so it was also a way to, to distinguish ourselves by saying, like, oh, no, we're, like, totally champions of that. If they make a black Peter Parker, um that doesn't change the character in any way, you know, and Bendis's miles is a reflection of that. Like miles could very well be Peter Parker, you know, um, right. it is it, only by the nature that he's not is because Peter, you know, Bendis was in charge of ultimate and, you know, uh, I mean, he wrote, wrote him like it was Peter Parker, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So if he was created in 2000 and you right. know, whatever, 2010 versus 1963. So yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent enjoying what's going on currently. It's just crazy to me, like I said, that it's like 2023, and it's taking this long for it to even start to feel normal. I guess because there's the the representation now is completely it's like night and day versus I think when we were growing up in comics, yeah. and even in the 90s, it was like, man, why are why is it, why does it feel one way, you know, like one tone? And it's just interesting now that even the creators that are creating these things are, are more diverse than what they were. We finally got a black guy writing Marl, or yeah. Miles, like, yeah, and, right. and what a revelation that is, you know, yeah. like the characters talk like they're from Brooklyn. And, yes. and I'll be honest, as like a white guy that doesn't live in Brooklyn, <laughs> I read it and sometimes I have to reread it and go like, what did they say? You know? <laughs> um, and like, if there's any downside to my show, it's that like, we are two white guys, but we can't really change that. You <laughs> right, know? Right. Um, yeah. You know, and, and we also can't like fake, you know, being a part of, of that community. So we, like, if we can bring on experts, great. We also want them to be Spider-Man experts. And, you know, like that can be tough because like Spider-Man has been so white and so uh, like white Christian for so long. It has pushed those community out. Like, would I love to have more female hosts on the show? Yeah. But like, what about Spider-Man has ever appealed to women? Yeah. You know, like, when have they ever extended an olive branch to women uh, to be a part of the book? You know, they depict women terribly in the book, you know? So 
it's it, it, it's a it's a tough thing um and inherently limiting um so anyway 100%. i'm sorry that you have to go through uh <laughs> through all of that like uh you know i i consider myself lucky to the worst thing you know that people have against me is that i'm like incredibly bald you know uh <laughs> so i mean sure come at me bro you know? <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 a crazy place to be on uh youtube these days but i i do enjoy a lot of the um, positive side of the communities. And I've actually found strangely enough on TikTok a ton of positivity as far as comic book circles, like people promoting other, you know, accounts and remixing each other's TikToks and, and just the comic book community I've found on TikTok is, is a very tight knit place. So it's, I've been kind of surprised by that, but I'm I'm also loving YouTube, being on YouTube, and um, just the exposure that it gives you. Um, video is is just it feels more natural to me than just audio. I have a a history like you with doing a lot of audio podcasts. Back in the day, would have never thought about doing video, but now it's like I feel um, at home doing this video podcast so you've got a face for video i've got a face for radio like you know like i don't even know if i've got a voice for radio but you know i'm, I'm doing what i can you know yeah uh yeah you're too hard on yourself my friend you are um one of the the most like like i said most dapper and handsome dan's on the internet so definitely uh you are here and uh, you are you're in the right place uh, where you're at right now. And, and um, I will say to like, bring it full circle. Like it's weird now because you know me through like David Chen um, and his podcasts, which are you know obviously very popular. Um, and I never thought I would ever appear on any of those shows because I, that's how I started listening to podcasts. And now David and I are like good friends and that, that's deeply weird to me. Yeah. That is um, a crazy story. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so before we close out, I did want to kind of get your quick thoughts on the current state of Spider-Man. Just the, in general, where the character is, we've got the Across the Spider-Verse movie coming this year. Uh, we just came off the heels of No Way Home, or Far From Home, or No Way Home. I'm sorry. I, no I Way Home, the, yeah. Yeah, No Way Home. Um all the spider books that are coming out right now. Where, where do you think the character in, in 2023, how do you feel about the character of Spider-Man? I don't think the character has ever been bigger than he is in 2023. Um, I mean, I, I think uh, the, I mean, all it takes is just walking around. Every kid is in a Spider-Man thing. Like what that character means to them. I'm not entirely sure, you know? And, um, and I don't feel like it's my place to insist that the character mean the same thing to them that it does to me. Um, whereas, I mean, like, and I will say, I think that my understanding of the character is much more connected with the origins of the character, but like, uh, and I, and I don't know how much kids these days, uh, um, <laughs> uh, know about, the origin like they've really managed to avoid it in a in a large way which is weird because i think the goal there was to avoid it because it's so culturally saturated but mm, i actually yeah, don't right. think that that's the case i think if you were to ask most people about uncle ben they would not have any idea who that character is 
maybe I'm wrong, but um, I think you're right. That's definitely what I've from what I've noticed of the of these kids coming up nowadays. It's I don't think they know Uncle Ben at all, and, and specifically with the MCU now. That's what people's kind of the, you know that's the yeah the, the baseline for what people's knowledge is now. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I mean. Uh, but but like I said, I think the character is bit bigger than ever. What that character is, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the youth, youthful element that make people really attracted to him. And, um, you know, there's an age-old argument about, like, what is the core theme of Spider-Man? Like, uh, you get someone like Tom Brevoort who had his hand in One More Day and the Brand New Day relaunch, and he'll say the core theme is youth. And... I have never believed that. Like for me, the core theme is responsibility. And I don't think responsibility is tied to youth. Like maybe lessons about it. We associate with youth, but as someone who's constantly growing, I have found that responsibility only gets more powerful in adulthood. Um, And I've written articles as such for the Hollywood reporter and things like that uh, uh, to this degree that I, that I think it's a missed opportunity to allow Spider-Man of all people to age and be replaced by someone like Miles and, you know, have like books like that coinciding. And for whatever reason, they've not wanted to do that. Um, And maybe it's because Miles didn't exist when they did one more day and kind of rebooted the character. But like, I think you look at something like Peter B. Parker in the end of the Spider-Verse movies. (laughs) And like, to me, that's the perfect example of where the character could go. Yes. You know, like I don't think the themes are um, not resonant anymore over that. And and I don't think you lose any iconography or ability to sell toys. And honestly, I think kids like miles better than they ever like Peter Parker anyway. Um, And if we really want to put the money where our mouth is about like miles being the like version of Spider-Man you would create in 2023, then like, then do it. Like yeah. make Miles Spider-Man. Right. Um, I don't think many people would bat an eye or like the right people would bat an eye. Um, and then old people like like me could go, I got my Peter and he's, you know, aging and whatever. Um, so I, I think the character is a mess right now. Like, like it, he's never been more popular and I don't, I think we've never understood the character less <laughs> than, than we have right now. Like what is Spider-Man? Right. Um, it's changing, right? Like it used to, it's, it's like anyone can wear the, the mask, which is great. I believe that a hundred percent. I love that as a mantra, like into the Spider-Verse is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's the reason I have a child today. Um, and, uh, which is wonderful. And I hate saying that because it sounds deeply dorky, but like, it's not even about Spider-Man. It's like about how the movie couched parenthood, which mm-hmm. has a leap of faith. Oh, um, nice. Nice. My parents always used to say to me, like, you're never ready. Yeah. You're never ready. And that sounds like a car is going to hit me. Yeah. I'm never ready for a car <laughs> to hit me, you know? Um, but if it's a leap of faith, then it's like saying, Oh no, you trust in yourself to let go and to embrace something challenging. Um, I'm not going to leap of faith into the middle of the highway, uh, <laughs> to, to complete the metaphor. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, that being said, like, I think we're seeing so many different interpretations of the character and like the, the, like anyone can wear the mask is great, but it's not really the mantra that defined the character. Like 
Um, like, I think it, it was more like the, the person wearing the mask isn't anybody rather than like anybody could wear the mask. Like Peter Parker used to kind of mean something and be like a guy. And I don't think Peter Parker is like really tied to Spider-Man all that much anymore. Weirdly. Right. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. And so it's weird. Like, you know, like I very much like Spider-Man cause I really like Peter Parker, the character. Mm. And I don't know, like, I, like I love the MCU Spider-Man. I think it's a really enjoyable character it does not remind me of Peter Parker right? A- a- until the final film when he kind of be- finally becomes the yes, character, yes, yes. Um, which is cool. But like, do we need three films to get there? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I thought that was the journey of Spider-Man homecoming until it was regressed. Right. But now, now I'm just spewing things. We just say like, I think the comics are the most confused uh, 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 of like anything. Whereas like other media have taken in many different directions, but they feel very like, um, confident about the direction that yeah. they're taking him. Like the video game is a very assured take on a very particular Spider-Man. The movies are like becoming a very assured take on Spider-Man. The animated movie is like the most confident thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, the cartoons are a little confused, but there's not really like one going that I would call serious right now. Right. And I'm curious to see Spider-Man freshman year and what that ends up being. Um, the comics, I just – I don't think we have an editor at the helm of the books that really understands how to corral that character and, and really bring the fans and the creators onto the same page. But I'm loving this run. I mean, there's ups and downs, but the John Romita Jr. drawn issues I think are the best the co- character has been in 10 years. Uh, so, you know, it's, for me – People get really bent out of shape about Spider-Man stuff they don't like. And I'm like, we're going to be getting Spider-Man stuff until we we die. And it will outlive us. There will be more Spider-Man movies than than not Spider-Man movies. Like, like it, it, it's it, the we, – we're not putting a cap on that. Like, the dam has burst. Right. Like, um, and you can't – you can't grab the water as it goes through the dam. Like, you can't hold it anymore. Like, it, it's free. And you don't have control over it. So you're going to have to just look at everything and like what you like and don't like what you don't like. And, um, you know, from the most of the time we've been covering Amazing Spider-Man as a comic, we kind of haven't liked most of it. But like every once in a while, a story comes along that you're like, okay, great. Like, that's enough for me to hold on to. And um, right now, I'm just excited that Amazing Spider-Man is like the best spider book coming (laughs) out, which I don't think has been true for a while. Yeah. even if I'm not liking dark web, <laughs> man, that is an amazing place to stop. I, I would love to talk about the Nick Spencer run with you. There's a ton of stuff that I want to talk. Perhaps if we can get Dapper Dan to come back on the comic book Kaiju, we can talk some more Spider-Man. Uh, but I, you have been very generous with your time, Dan. I'm very appreciative. Thank you very much. Uh, why don't you let everyone know where they can find the amazing spider talk? Yeah, sure. You can go to AmazingSpiderTalk.com. The website is designed to take you to all of our different places you can find us, whether that be like, you know, YouTube or in a podcast player, um, and to kind of explore our archives of both written work and um, all of our various podcasts that we've done. Like I said, we've been doing it for 10 years. So there's a lot of, you know, different places you can jump on. 
Um, we're about to kick off season six of the show where we're covering the Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends era of the mid 80s. Um, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Tom and Ron are coming back on and it's going to be a really great time. Um, but you can go back to season one if, if you want to learn more about Spider-Man and uh, as a transmedia property. Uh, we start with the Stanley, Steve Dicko of it all, and we've had every creator on under the sun on. So you could start with season one. You can check out our essentials run where Mark, my co-host and I uh, choose 30 Spider-Man comics we think are essential reads and battle it out. Um, so, you know, whether you're reading the new run or not, there's always something cool on Amazing Spider Talk for you to check out. And then you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at uh, at Sup Spider Talk. Um, which still works, even though we're not called Superior Spider Talk anymore. <laughs> that is fantastic, Dan. I love everything that you're doing, and I hope everyone checks out Amazing Spider Talk and all of Dan's projects. Um, I did want to let everybody know before we get out of here, this month, the book of the month on the comic book guide you is Far Sector. We're going to be talking about that Green Lantern book, so definitely come back after you read you've read the book. And we're going to have a great talk and discussion on that. But with that, my friends, thank you very much for listening or watching if you're on YouTube. Um, I want to let you know that Dan Gavazdan loves comics and you should too.